from in front of you. It's on page 267, and we'll be reading the, the whole chapter. Ruth, chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an effer. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one, who's, the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. 
So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Two chapters, first this week, look at Ruth 2, next week you'll be in, in Ruth 3. Two chapters that just show us very beautiful, um, unexpected kindness. I don't know if you've ever felt unexpected kindness, somebody doing something for you that um, you, you just didn't expect. Uh, perhaps a surprise party uh, thrown for you. Uh, maybe somebody going out of their way to do something for you that you, you really needed, but you didn't think that they'd, that they'd do. Uh, those moments of unexpected kindness that, that persuade you that, that you belong. Uh, those moments of unexpected kindness that show you that you're valued, that you're known, um, that you're loved. Um, we're going to see in, these, in this chapter, and actually I think in, in the next one as well next week, two moments of unexpected kindness that show something of what God is like and the, well, the way that he uh, welcomes us. Um, I wonder if you remember the story so far. Uh, Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, at the beginning of Ruth, left Israel. Uh, their two sons, uh, in the land of Moab, married Moabite wives. And then, tragically, all of the men die, leaving Naomi and Ruth and another daughter-in-law. And then Naomi decides that she's going to come back from the land of Moab, back to her homeland, to Israel, and incredibly, one of the Moabite women, Ruth, the outsider, comes with her. You might remember, if you were there with us um, last time, Naomi's deep bitterness in the face of everything that she had experienced. And last week's passage ended with Naomi and Ruth arriving home just as the barley harvest was beginning. And you picture the scene, the fields ripe with barley, Ruth and Naomi arriving home, and it's, it's a portent of hope, of opportunity, of promise, saying hope is on the horizon. And then in the passage that we've just had read, chapter two, verse one, another promise of hope, another portent of opportunity, not a harvest this time, but a person, Boaz. We meet him, a relative, a man of standing. We're not told much about him other than those two things. He's a man of standing. We don't get much detail on what that is other than that that sounds like a good thing. But also that he's a man of the clan. And that's a very good thing. Because that means that there is a, a, a potential that he might be able to help out Ruth and Naomi in their time of need. And it's just a little teaser of hope that we get at the start of this passage before the episode begins properly and we're back with Ruth and Naomi at home alone together. And this is where the story really gets going. At Ruth and Naomi, they're there at home and they, they talk together. At Ruth says, let me go to the fields and glean uh, let me go and find grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Uh, Ruth and Naomi seem to discuss it, and then she decides to, to go. And Ruth's planning to do some gleaning. Now, for us, that might not make much sense. Why would you expect to just go to somebody's field and take things there that aren't yours? Um, but as we'll see in a moment, this is something that she should expect 
to be able to do. I'm just going to put some verses up uh, on the screen. Um, these are verses from, from the law that God has given his people. Um, and he says these two things in, in the book of Leviticus. He says to his people, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor, for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. And then in the book of Deuteronomy, when you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in the works of your hand. There's something beautiful about this law, about what the Lord tells his people to do, how he tells them to behave. It calls for the Lord's people to be generous, just as the Lord himself is generous. It's a way that the Lord is going to provide for people in need, including the foreigner, including the widow, like Ruth. But as we've seen before, the book of Ruth begins with some really chilling words in the days when the judges ruled. And if you know anything about the book of Judges, well, you'll know that that should send a shiver down your spine because the days when the judges ruled were the days when the people of Israel did what was right in their own eyes. They did whatever they wanted. And so in going to glean, Ruth is doing something that she should expect to do to be able to go and claim the Lord's provision in the law but also she's stepping out in faith that she will find a people who behave in the way that they ought to behave and finding a people who will behave according to the law. And so we see in Ruth a very breathtaking picture of what faith is like. You see, Ruth's faith is optimistic, isn't it? It's defiant. It believes that God will provide, that he said that he'll do it, and so he will. Now, we've been let in on the secret. We know that Boaz is out there. We know that there's the upstanding man of the clan. But Ruth doesn't know that as she is stepping out in faith. Now, that defiant, optimistic faith stands in stark contrast to Elimelech, who we met at the start of the book, who leaves the land of faith to go elsewhere. But now we see Ruth, the Moabite, the outsider, who comes back and who shows us what true faith looks like. Look down at, at verse 3. She, she goes out, enters the field, and begins to glean behind the far harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz. As it turned out. At the original, it is closer to like, as chance chanced. There's a bit of a knowing glance behind those words. The book of Ruth is one of those books where the Lord is rarely described as doing anything active, but instead we see his divine providence played out scene by scene. And, and this is one of those moments where with a bit of a, a nod and a wink, we see that the Lord is working behind the scenes. And now look, we don't know why everything that happens, happens. In life, there's plenty of things that will happen that will make us think, oh, Lord, I don't know why you would let that happen. And sometimes the things that we think, oh, it would be really obvious if that happened, don't happen. Now, we don't know the mind 
of the Lord on so many things. And it would be foolish to think that we did. But occasionally, sometimes we do get those moments. Moments where we see very clearly something of the Lord's good providence. The way that he has woven together in the cause and effect of the universe things that work together for the good of his people. Now, Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 reminds us we can make our plans but the Lord determines our steps. Who knows why Ruth chose that field on that day but the Lord does. Ruth made her plans, but the Lord determined her steps. Ruth stepped out in faith, and the Lord doesn't leave her hanging. Now, here we get to meet Boaz, the man that we had the quick introduction to earlier. We get to see him properly enter Boaz, and from his first words, you see that he's everything you could hope for. Have a look at verse 4. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, and greeted the harvesters, the Lord be with you, the Lord bless you, they answered. Now this is probably a harvest greeting, one of the Psalms, Psalm 129, picks this up again, the call and response, and puts it into the context of a harvest, and you can imagine, as they stand in a field of barley, ripe and ready for the harvest, that kind of a greeting is probably supposed to remind them that it is the Lord who gave that crop. And this is great news for Ruth. Remember, she has stepped out in faith, trusting that she'll find an Israelite farmer who is faithful, who is willing to be generous, just as the Lord has been generous. And well, here is Boaz expressing his faith that the Lord is his provider. The Lord be with you. And his harvesters reply, the Lord bless you. Uh, But then, Boaz gets a deeper opportunity to express his faith because his eye has been caught by somebody unexpected. See that in verse 5. Boaz asks the overseer of the harvest, who does that young woman belong to? And maybe we bristle at a question like that. Who does this young woman belong to? Boaz doesn't mean to imply that she's property doesn't mean to imply that she's just a possession. No, in those days, she would have found her provision and her protection with the household that she belonged to. That might have been the household of of her father or the household of a husband or the household of a relative. And so when Boaz says, who does that young woman belong to? Well, he's asking, who's providing for her? Who's going to look out for her? It's a caring question. And Boaz discovers in in verse 6 that Ruth is the widow who lives with the widow. It's an empty household. And not just empty in the sense of spare chairs and double beds slept in alone. No, it's, it's empty of provision. No men in the household in those days would have meant in reality no provision. It's an empty house on the verge of destitution. But more than that, Boaz's overseer describes her as the Moabite who came from Moab. Maybe we're supposed to feel a bit of disdain in that kind of description. The Moabites were the outsiders. They were the strangers. They were the ones who didn't belong. 
And not only that, but also in the time of the judges, the Israelites spent 18 years under the occupation of the Moabites. And so they're not just the outsiders. At least one time, they were the enemy. And so we wonder, what will Boaz make of this destitute outsider who's turned up on his farm to find leftover food? How deep does his faith run? Will we see a generous welcome or a hostile exclusion? Uh, One evening, a a few years ago, I I was speaking at an event for some students. And um, it was at a Christian Union event. Lots of the students there weren't Christians. And after my talk, a guest came to speak to me. She wasn't a Christian. uh, And she um, came to speak to me with one of her friends from the Christian Union. And she'd explained that she'd grown up always going to church... Um, her parents taking her along, uh, but she'd explained that the way that her parents had treated her, particularly in connection with some life choices that she'd made, meant that she'd never wanted to have anything to do with Christians again. And that was until she came along to university, met a friend at the Christian Union, and brought her along to some events. And I could tell that this girl was intrigued by what she was hearing, but I could also tell that she was a bit scared. Uh, She felt like the outsider, uh, coming along to something, not really sure what she would find. That was her question. What will I find if I come to Jesus? And she asked me, what assurance can you give me that if I come to Jesus, I won't get hurt again? And she was wondering, will I find a generous welcome or a hostile exclusion? verse 8, Boaz speaks to Ruth. My daughter, listen to me. Don't go anywhere else. Stay here. All we see from Boaz is extraordinary generosity. He doesn't say to her, sure, yeah, glean, glean here today. Nice to see you. Tomorrow you'll be gone. He doesn't say, oh, yeah, you can glean, but just make sure you follow behind everybody else last in the queue. No, he says, stay here in this field and cling to the women. Stay with the women who work for me. Interesting, literally there when he says stay, he's using the word cling. It's the same word that we saw Ruth doing to Naomi in chapter one. And now Boaz is saying, cling to the harvesters. And secondly, we also see extraordinary protection. Boaz knows that the lack of food is not the only threat that faces Ruth. The book of, of, of Judges, and particularly the latter chapters, tell the horrific stories of terrible evil in the land, and particularly the brutal treatment of women. Staying in Boaz's field means safety for Ruth, means she's kept from the worst of Israel. And he was also able to insist to his men, in verse 9, that they are to protect her too, that they are not to lay a hand on her. Ruth's optimistic, defiant faith has met Boaz's generous, providing faith. And Ruth is overwhelmed. Verse 10, at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked him, 
Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you have noticed me? Now, it's easy, isn't it, I think, for this bit to become the kind of Hollywood moment in the Ruth story. You can imagine the music swelling as the romance builds, their eyes meet, and our hearts melt as we discover that love is actually all around. Maybe to your relief, or or perhaps to your disappointment, I'm going to burst that bubble, because this, I don't think, is actually a romance moment. Boaz is old. Probably Boaz is actually closer in age to Naomi. And so Boaz is talking to Ruth, saying, my daughter. And Boaz then tells us what it is about Ruth that has caught his eye. In verse 11 and 12, it is her faithfulness. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you have left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. When Boaz sees Ruth, he sees how selflessly, how faithfully she has stuck with Naomi. And he sees what it is on the deeper level. He sees that ultimately it is a faithfulness to the Lord. He sees that Ruth has left her people and her homelands and has come to the land of the Lord in faith. When Boaz sees Ruth, he sees the kind of faith that Abraham had. Abraham, who in faith boldly left his people and his home and became a stranger and went to the land God had promised. And Boaz knows the nature of his God and he knows the history of his own people and he knows that God is one who brought people out of Egypt to give them this land. And so Boaz is extending the welcome which the Lord has given to his people and he's extending that kind of welcome to Ruth also. And so Boaz will describe this as coming under the wings of the Lord and taking refuge. Just like Abraham, just like the whole of the Lord's people, Ruth has come to find shelter under the wing of the Lord. And so Boaz here, in, in this small way, is bringing Ruth under his protection, just like the Lord has brought her under his And throughout the day, Boaz is going to continue to underline that staggering generosity and protection. First, he invites Ruth to come and eat with them. And she's not going to have to bring her own picnic. She'll eat the food that the workers are eating. In verse 14, we see that she comes and she eats. Boaz invites her, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. She sits down with the harvesters and he offers her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. And then he'll speak again to the men working in the field and make it really clear what they're supposed to do. They're to let her take everything she wants. Verse 15, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. And then verse 16, he goes way over the top, even pull out some of the stalks from her for the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. You can imagine the workers hearing what Boaz is saying to them and thinking, how strange pulling out grain that we've gathered and leaving it for this outsider to take. 
but it's not strange at all. Boaz is simply saying, she belongs. Ruth gleans under the provision and the protection of Boaz for the rest of the day, and by the time she returns to Naomi, she has an ephah. Now, we don't really know what an ephah is. We've got a footnote that suggests it's probably around 13 kilograms, but we're not really sure. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 17, an ephah feeds an army of 50. So that's the amount of food that she's collected, enough to feed 50. Back in Ruth, uh, back in the verse 13, Ruth described everything that Boaz would promise to her as a kindness. She says, you put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant. Kindly here, it is the word for covenant love, uh, covenant God's, God's promise to his people, God's settled decision that he will treat them in a particular way. This kindness is the word for covenant love. When, ba- when Ruth says to Boaz, you're speaking kindly to me, kindness is not simply what's doing, simply, it's not simply just doing nice things. It's an expression of generous love that flows from the promise that God has made. And it's this kindness, this covenant love, that creates the context for Ruth to begin to belong. Boaz has tasted that kind of covenant love of the Lord for himself, and he expresses it with his words, and he demonstrates it with his actions. Boaz has received this harvest as a gift from the Lord, and now he's using it as a way of blessing Ruth. It's easy, I think, sometimes for us to be blessing hoovers. Imagine what I mean by that. Going around and finding the blessings that the Lord has given us and sucking them up for ourselves. Almost like we're recipients of the covenant love of the Lord, and that is simply for our sake. But Boaz is not a blessing hoover, looking at this harvest around him and going, this is all for me. He is a blessing fountain. As a recipient of the covenant love of the Lord, he lets that flow out freely to those around him, and particularly here we see to Ruth. What a beautiful picture that is of what the Christian life should be like. In Philippians chapter 2, up on the screen, the apostle Paul uh, writes to the church in Philippi, uh, saying this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I find this is outstanding. Paul takes the greatest truth in the entire universe, that God became man in order that he might serve us, and he runs it through to say that that's how we should behave with one another. Are we blessing hoovers or blessing fountains? Well, we have that mindset of Christ being generous to those around us just as we have received from the generosity of God. Maybe in the way we use our time, or the way we use our money. And many of us will have extraordinary resources, resources which are a gift from God. Are we stingy with what we've received? Or will we allow others to glean I've been thinking about uh, this for myself um, in a number of ways this week, but, but a couple through, through the lens of hospitality and, and generosity. I've been thinking, who could we invite into our home this week 
as an expression of generosity? Who could I pick up the phone to this week uh, for an overdue phone call? Uh, who could I prepare a meal for as an act of generosity? Uh, tomorrow, Benter and I are going to the Money Matters evening, and we'll be thinking about what generosity looks like financially. And, and that's a challenge for me. Am I a hoover or am I a fountain? I've been thinking about this uh, for us as well as a, a gathered body of Christ. Uh, what is on our minds as we come together? Do we come to serve ourselves? Or do we come to serve one another? Will we, like Boaz, recognize that the Lord offers the shelter of his wing, that we might offer that again to others? We're back in, in Ruth chapter 2, verse 18. Ruth trucks her food for 50 back home. As she carries it to um, her mother-in-law, and, and, and she shows what she has got. And her mother-in-law is astonished. Verse 19, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Ruth explains the story, the generosity, the provision, and then the big reveal, the end of verse 19, the name of the man I worked with today is, and you can feel the suspense, Naomi wondering, who is it? It's Boaz. And Ruth is about to now discover that that chance encounter with Boaz was far more significant than she ever realized. You see, to Ruth's mind, she had found someone who will let her belong, like a hired hand, someone who will supply her with protection and provision, grain for the season, all the food that they could need. But Naomi knows something that Ruth doesn't. Verse 20, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. And Boaz is not just any old farmer. He's someone with a family connection, someone who might just help us to escape our destitution. And so we're left to, to wonder, will he? Will this be the solution? Will this be the hope that they've been looking for? The, million, the happy ever after that was a million miles away suddenly seems that bit closer. Will Boaz be the rescue we've been looking for? Well, the narrator waits, makes us wait till next week to, to find out. But as we close, can, can you see what it is that Naomi sees? Have a look again um, at verse 20. Um, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. You see, Naomi sees everything that's going on and calls it a kindness. Just like Ruth had said, you've spoken kindly to me, an expression of covenant love. Here Naomi sees all of this as a kindness too. But for Naomi, it's not first and foremost a kindness that Boaz is showing to Ruth. No, this is a kindness that the Lord is showing to them. In what has happened here, the Lord is revealing his kindness to Ruth and Naomi. They have come back to the land of faith, hoping that they would find refuge under his wing. And that's exactly what is happening. Naomi's yearnings are beginning to be answered. Her hope 
is beginning to be restored. She came back, didn't she? Jaded, bitter. But under the wing of the Lord, that bitterness is beginning to be restored to an expectant hope. Now, this is a, a true story, a true story of the way that the Lord shown his kindness to, to these two widows. But it's also an echo of the truest story about the Lord's covenant love that he shows to us. You see, we can spend our whole lives looking for a kind of provision, a kind of protection. There are so many fields that we might run to, places where we'll hope to find an answer to the yearnings of our hearts. Perhaps we'll run to the field of our work or our wealth, to our bank balance, a relationship, a partner. Our restless hearts long for a place where they can rest secure. And God says to us through, through the book of Ruth, there is a place where restless hearts can rest secure. There is a field where you can find the kind of provision, the kind of protection that you long for. A field where your disappointed hopes can be restored. And you'll find that place by coming to him under the refuge of his wing. And you won't find it anywhere else. The provision and the protection of the Lord is offered in Jesus to any who would come under his wing. And to those who are outside, to those who feel they don't belong, to those who are wandering, to those who are near but just need to hear again, God invites us to come to him. Like Ruth, to find provision and protection. And he invites us to come and to find shelter under his wing. As we close, let, let us pray together. Now, Father, we praise you that you are the one who extends your generous grace to us. Father, you are a giver and we praise you. Now, Father, we ask, please, um, would you... Help us to, to come to you and to find uh, rest for our restless hearts in you. And Father, help us to be those who express the generosity that we have received then to others. And Father, we know we need your help and so we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to respond now um, in song.